Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Tuesday, very busy Tuesday, it's Stanford week, but we still want to talk a little bit more about USC's opener against Western Michigan. You guys sent in a lot of questions. We talked to Harvey Hyde yesterday. We got a whole bunch for Dan Weber today, and we're still going to have a whole bunch probably after this. So we'll try to get to all of them, do our best uh, to do that. If you have any questions for us, you can email podcast at uscfootball.com. Or you can call or text 424-254-9141. We're getting more voicemails now. Try to keep them under a minute. We can't really play them when they're longer than that. It just takes up too much time on the show. We do appreciate that. Try to keep them brief. And same thing with your written questions. Keep them brief because we're getting all these page-long paragraphs. Like Those are good for the, the message boards, not exactly for uh reading on the podcast my voice is going to be dead after hours and hours of reading all these questions so uh please don't do that just keep keep them short and concise that would be awesome you can uh subscribe on itunes itunes.com slash peristyle podcast or we're on all the different platforms google play and stitcher radio and TuneIn radio and audio boom so you can find us all over the place and if you can't find us let me know email me and i will make sure we get listed on your favorite podcasting app or service all right Without further ado, let's bring in Dan Weber. What is up, Dan? How are you? Hey, uh, still got a lot of questions. So we're, we, we'll match our questions against the questioner's questions and see who has the more questions. There's, yeah, if you have more questions than what people have sent in, and we've already answered yesterday, and then I still got more that were just kind of like general questions. You guys all get, like, there's the Harvey Hyde questions. People like, hey, I want Harvey to answer. There's Dan Weber questions. We get some kind of just... General ones that I'll answer or we'll have like, you know, maybe we'll do shotgun and have another show with him. But there's no shortage of questions, Dan. People are not exactly happy with the way USC played against Western Michigan. And I don't disagree because, you know, I know people get on our case because they say, well, wait a minute. That wasn't the team you described in practice. No, it wasn't. We're not doing the game plan. We're not making the calls on defense. We're not lining them up. I mean, if you'd asked me before the game, is USC going to play any nickel? I'd have said, why? Why would they play nickel against a team with a quarterback who's never thrown a pass, whose own team doesn't trust him to throw a pass, who doesn't have any wide receivers back, uh, who they think can get open and catch the ball, and who got three really good running backs and a, and a good offensive line who – almost certainly are going to pound it at you. And you would have said, well, do you think they're going to line up and play mostly nickel? I'd have said, are you kidding? You'd have to be crazy to do that. Well, I mean, we can't guarantee, we can only tell you, for example, the people that played like they practiced, the running back, if you heard what we said about Rojo and Stephen Carr, that's exactly what happened. Or the fact that the offensive line looked like they're, run blocking pretty well, or that Deontay Burnett looked really good, or that the rest of the wide receivers, nobody stepped up yet. Although, you know, the couple of veterans, the one thing they can do is block downfield, which they did. So in some ways, some of the people played like they practiced. Others 
where we saw all summer long an emphasis on on uh, playing fast and playing smart and and keeping your pursuit angles you know right on the money and incorporating that into the summer workouts and all the things they did and they come out and stand around uh you tell me i don't know uh but you know we can't predict the future we can only tell you what we see in practice if we see it in practice we'll tell you if they don't do it in the game you know well, i'm can... not sure why we're <laughs> going to have a lot of questions clay will have a lot of questions to answer today yeah and clancy will have a lot of questions to answer tomorrow yep. and we'll see how that goes Let's, uh, well, before we jump into all the questions, wanted to thank our, our sponsor, Trader Joe's. They've been great to us. Uh, they're selling delicious food and beverages at terrific everyday prices for nearly 50 years. It's actually been 50 years now. I think the, the anniversary was last, last month. So pretty cool. 50 years in business. And, uh, they've been working, you know, working with us for the last couple of months. And it's been, it's been a great partnership. They've been great. We had a, a very cool event over there at the Trader Joe's at the USC Village. If you haven't been over there, Check it out, especially if you're going to tailgate before the Texas or the Stanford games. Uh, go over and check it out. Trader Joe's has got all kinds of cool tailgating food and stuff that you can buy. So you can buy your stuff over there and just walk over to campus and set your tailgate up. So it's, uh, pretty cool stuff. Um, but we've been, they've been, uh, great with us and we, we really love it. It's just like a local neighborhood market, but they have all this kind of cool foods and beverages and, and all kinds of neat stuff. So. Um, so the favorite product that's what they recommend is the Mandarin orange chicken. I've had that a bunch of times. I like it as well. Um, I was just eating some of these, uh, they don't call them Swedish fish. They call them Scandinavian swimmers. So I was always a big Swedish fish guy when I was a kid. Uh, they have Scandinavian swimmers, um, and they're like shaped in different like lobsters and fish and things like that. So those are one of the snacks. I was just eating that actually before we went on the air, but cool wine selection, cool beer selection. Uh, cheeses. So if you want to do good tailgate stuff, they have, uh, great, great cheeses. And so you get some, some, you know, wine and cheese before you walk over to campus. So some really, really cool stuff. Dan, I might have to pick some stuff up before the, before the Stanford game because those box lunch, box lunches in the uh, press box get a little old. Yeah. And it's going to be later in the day. Uh, you know, so, uh, three and a, three, I guess just three hours. Three hours and fifteen minutes later, kickoff. So yeah, uh, a little more time to work up a hunger uh, yeah. before uh, the Stanford and the Texas game. Yeah, so, uh, snack time for sure. Yes, for good stuff. So go, definitely go check out Trader Joe's. Um, okay, we had a voicemail question. I'm not going to play for you because it's like two minutes long, but it's Daniel in Los Angeles, and he was talking about the weather being a factor that a lot of times can be kind of a, uh, you know delete some of the advantages or erase some of the advantages that a more talented team might have. Like if it's in the snow or it's really hot, um, that was kind of the gist of his voicemail. Any kind of thoughts on the weather evening things out a little uh, bit? You know, uh, probably not. Maybe, maybe at the start, if you're standing around and, and you don't get going once, uh, once things start happening, I will say this for a team that, said they were practicing in the morning in the 60s in Kalamazoo to come out. I know they checked into the Burbank Marriott Wednesday night and promptly saw that it was going to be uh, triple digits the next three days in Burbank where they were staying and practicing. I thought, you know, Western Michigan, if there was some sort of a, you know, negative, uh, you know, uh, factor for USC, there had to be a tremendous one for uh, Western Michigan. And it finally, 
I mean, and the funny thing is, I guess, is when USC started playing faster, Western Michigan got slower. Now, you could say that was the weather in the fourth quarter. That was a lot of things. But uh, uh, I think a lot of that was in, a, was in response to how USC chose to play the game. And they just, you know, this is a defense that we saw fly around and fly around and fly around uh, all summer. And they get to the first game. And they stand around and stand around and stand around. Uh, I think I think weather would have been one of the the lesser factors. Not that it wasn't a factor on both sides, uh, one way or another. But uh, but I think the way USC chose to play the game, approached the game, coached them before you know the week or two leading up to the game, I think uh, was more of a factor. Uh, let's see. We got. We'll do a, we'll do another voicemail since we uh, we do like the voicemails. Here you go. I'll play this one for you, Dan. Hello, Ryan Jeremiah from Snake Lake. Thank you, Double H, for your answer on my question. My question today is for DW. DW, you can be in the weight room all the hell you want, but it doesn't necessarily translate to the field. Is this Porter Gustin getting too muscle bound? He seems like a nice kid, but maybe he's in the wrong sport. I don't know. Can we speak on that as to changing one's body and doing whatever? I don't know what the hell's going on. But he should be a lot more Matthews uh, and a lot less, I don't know, Arnold. Thank you, DW. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. And I think what we saw this summer is how much he works on, uh, the Porter works on his flexibility that he balances the weight work. And that's the scary thing always when you got a guy that's a workout, you know, warrior, is does he balance uh, flexibility and stretching and yoga and all the other stuff with, uh, you know, the muscle building. He has, and he's shown really good flexibility. I mean, there were times uh, earlier in his career I thought, is he got the, the danger of being uh, Devon Kennard, for example, until Devon's senior year. When Devon, you know, this beautiful athlete that just looked like he should be able to do everything, he got near plays, but he didn't exactly make them. Devon, you know, figured it out when he was a senior, and obviously it's carried through the NFL. What we saw from Porter the other day was a guy who looked like he was uh, asked to kind of stand around, then try to make up for things that weren't happening. I mean, if you're the edge guy, and you've got to make a bunch of tackles in the A-gap because your two down linemen are getting overwhelmed by the six offensive linemen, and your, you know, your inside linebackers are both inexperienced and smallish, uh, and you don't have Cam Smith in there. Uh, so you get very conscious of coming down inside, and now you know, you're going to have to make a judgment in space. And he just didn't. How he didn't catch the, you know, I mean, how he didn't catch the throwback pass to the quarterback uh, reminds you of some of the crazy stuff that happened in the Rose Bowl where USC guys seemed in position and then all of a sudden, you know, you got a touchdown the other way. I have no idea. You know, did he close his eyes? Why did he jump? He could have stood there, caught the pass for a pick six. Uh, uh, it was just one of those days. I think when you stand around on defense and you ask them to read and react, and play like they're NFL guys when basically, you know, all they've been doing is, is just going out, all out and flying around and using their athleticism. And then you say, well, 
today we won't use your athleticism. And you're playing against a smart, tough, disciplined team that knew exactly what it wanted to do and took advantage of that. You know, it's hard for me to say, uh, you know, that it, he doesn't have the flexibility. I, I've watched him really carefully uh, over the summer just to see that very thing. And he's shown really good flexibility where he can go, you know, one way and then come back the other way. And he, uh, he's not limited where, you know, if his body is moving one direction, that's all he's got and he can't come back and, 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 and make a counter move and all, all of that. But um, he didn't get a chance to show it. And I don't think that was, and maybe, you know, were they sandbagging? You know, was USC saying we don't want to show Stanford anything? We're going to just stand here and 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 we're going to survive this game. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I guess that's that's as good an explanation as any for how you'd practice one way and and play the other. But uh, he made a lot of plays in practice, and he's shown a lot of flexibility, and he did not get a chance to do that for whatever reason. I don't know. You've got some good observations if they were the correct ones, but I don't think from watching him that that that's where he is. I, I think he's got a lot of flexibility. Didn't show it. Uh, Tark's got a pretty simple question. Does USC tackle in practice? Not enough. What they did, unfortunately, they thought they had gotten to the where they needed to be three weeks ago. And I think they felt like, A, they got to bring the offense on, and B, they, they need to maintain where they are and see, we've got 12 straight games in 12 straight weeks, and we got to take care of our guys. And I think, I think two things happened. I think they sent a message to the guys that you're fine, everything's good, we're in a good place. Uh, and then with the game plan, they sent another message that, no, we really don't have to go all out after this team. We're fine. We're going to be, we're going to be good, uh, doing what we're doing. And I, I think those are bad messages to send. And I don't think, you know, physicality is something you can turn on and turn off. Is it a fine line, as Clay said, Sunday night, you know, his conference call between keeping them healthy, uh, and not beating them down for 12 weeks uh, without a bye? Or you got to get them ready. And they, I, I don't disagree with the players who said they didn't get to tackle enough. They didn't get to tackle enough. Uh, for a team that had running backs like Western Michigan and had offensive linemen who could reach uh, reach the D line guys and, and 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 get the get the linebackers and where they very often you know got one on one shots uh, from angles and they just couldn't wrap and take them to the ground and yeah that's practice they didn't do enough of it no question about it now we can see that uh, you know that's their judgment you know we can. You know, second guess like the last two weeks, but the last thing we had seen is they were tackling well and they were running people down. If the coaches decide they're at a place where we're fine with, it's very hard to step in there and say, no, 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 you're not going to be good enough when you play Western Michigan and Stanford. Uh, at least now they know, uh, and they know with an 18 point win against a really decent team. I mean, Western Michigan would finish I don't think any lower than, than the middle of, of the pack. I mean, they'd be, they'd be top half of the Pac-12 South. Uh, they, they got a, a really astonishingly well-coached team when you consider those coaches weren't together last year. 
and they came from all different places. That was a very impressive job by, by Tim Lester and company, and, and not so much by, uh, you know, by Clay and company. Pretty much that simple. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, we had a couple questions on the wide receivers. Tark wanted to know if uh, Isaac Whitney and Daquan Hampton, should they have redshirted and been starters this year? And then Dennison Lancaster wants to know, uh, how concerned should we be after that performance by the wide receivers and tight ends? Well, I, I, the reason they recruited Isaac Whitney and, and Daquan Hampton out of junior college was they needed them to play right away. I don't know that you ever recruit somebody out of junior college who uh, who you're not expecting to play right away as a junior. So I just think, you know, as really good a deal that would be right now. Yeah, if you had Daquan Hampton and Isaac Whitney lining up right now as seniors, boy, life would be really, really good. I mean, there no. I mean, that's just. But it's one of those things. I think it's it's a historical to say that you could go back and do that. Uh, USC wasn't in a position, uh, you know, to redshirt those guys, even though as it turned out, neither one of them got to play all that much. I mean, they they needed them. But then they turned out they didn't need them enough because they said it was such a big adjustment from junior college to USC. So that first year, uh, you know, they didn't they didn't get the chance. And then last year, you know, you've got uh, uh, you got Juju, you've got uh, Darius, you've got Stephen Mitchell when he was starting, and then Deontay. And there just wasn't enough, you know, there weren't enough places for him. But yeah, how nice would that be to have those two? able to line up uh i mean who knew for example isaac whitney ran a 4 4 240 i mean and, you know made it to the last cut with the raiders and, and what was the other question ryan oh there, um yeah. should you know be concerned about the current group of wide receivers and tight ends uh yeah absolutely <laughs> health-wise i think we need to be concerned about uh uh daniel uh why we're not Seeing more, for example, of uh, Carrie Anseline, uh, I don't know. You know, is it a blocking issue? Is it is it a trust issue? Uh, I don't know. Uh, you you would think they've got to incorporate the tight ends more. They'll see a way. They'll see a team that incorporates tight ends plenty this week or on video this week. So maybe that'll help. Uh, the wide receivers. Yeah, they've been running in place. We have not really. We we saw Tyler. You know, Tyler Vaughn's made some made some big plays uh, in the uh, you know in, in, in preseason. Uh, other than that, I don't know that any there was any separation at all. Uh, and there were you know enough mistakes and enough maybe not being exactly where Sam expects you to be or getting the same read. Uh, did they try to get too many guys ready? Uh, I don't, you know, it's it's hard to say. I mean, one good thing about when you're starting Stephen Mitchell and, and Jalen Green is you're pretty sure somebody is going to be downfield blocking, and if they can get, you know, Ron, you know, Ronald and uh, Stephen to the second level, they've got a chance because they're. I mean, that I don't, you know, USC hasn't had a better group of downfield blockers uh, among the wide receivers from the, you know, as these guys are, so. uh you know, is that somebody telling us, telling USC, this is the way you maybe need to go with, uh, you know, the running backs performing so well, the offensive line blocking the run well, and the wide receivers better blockers than, than anything, uh, might be a, might be a, a, an indicator pointing that 
you may not want to be 50-50 balanced between run and pass. Maybe you need to go 60-40 run. Uh, something they got to be thinking about. Yeah, uh, certainly that's something to think about. We'll see what the, you know, you got the Heisman Trophy, uh, one of the favorites and not a lot of people to throw to. I think it'll, I think it'll start to shake out the, the, uh, depth chart came out. Um, we didn't see any changes. So it's not like they're putting like Tyler Vaughn's or someone else, uh, in the starting lineup. They still have the same starters from week one. We'll see if they kind of, you know, change the rotations, different guys coming in and stuff like that. So we'll see. Um, big Nick, uh, Nick from Cyprus, big Nick 21 USC on the peristyle. He wants to know your thoughts on how special Stephen Carr is. Oh, he's really, he's really special. I mean, he's special in just the fact that A, he can really catch it and B, he can block. I mean, how many, you know, kids coming out of high school who are considered, okay, the number two tailback in the whole U.S. can do either one of those things. I mean, mostly they've never had to. Uh, He's so under control that the jump cut that he made on the 52 yard touchdown run on that, on that defender who had him dead to rights in the hole was so spectacular. I mean, that was just the stuff. Uh, and, and to be honest, you can see if you don't think coaching matters, look at what the running backs are doing, you know, with coach McCullough. I mean, we said it, we saw it, we believed it. And they believe it, and then you watch it, and you think, man, these guys really, uh, you know, one of the things he does in terms of, you know, really working with them on quick decisions and, and decisions in the hole and running through trash, as he calls it, is the ability to have their eyes down the field and reading the second and third level. And that's what you saw with Stephen Carr. He knew, I beat this guy, I probably go, I got a chance to beat him to the flag. He knew that right away. I mean, that's the kind of judgment you really need to have a guy with the ball in his hands. I mean, I think, for example, there were a couple of times the other day when on a return, a guy had a seam that was there and it didn't look like he quite recognized it. A Dory probably would have and probably would have had the Jets to get to it. But there were a couple of times where guys had opportunities, maybe didn't recognize them. I think with Rojo and Steven, when they saw the seam, they got there. They recognized it and got there almost at the same, you know, instantaneously. Boom. And that's what you need to see more of. You need to see more of with the wide receivers in terms of just recognizing where the, where the open space is and, and getting on the same page with Sam so he knows you know where, where you're going to be and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but boy, uh, you know, USC fans can feel, I think, awfully good about, you know, the coaching at the, uh, you know, at the running back level. At wide receiver, you know, has it been a tough deal trying to get maybe eight or nine guys ready to go? Uh, you know, only, a, you know, three maybe who've had any kind of, you know, significant experience and then to lose Michael Pittman. I think we're going to find that losing Michael Pittman uh, for these first couple of games has, has really been a big deal. They needed, they needed Michael Pittman out there, uh, and they need him back, you know, as soon as they can. But, uh, but they're going to have to make some, I think some, maybe you can't coach that many guys and, and, you know, maybe you just have to make some decisions and say, you know, we're going to get these guys ready 
we're going to coach them up. I'm not even sure they can coach. They said six, and then they then they added maybe seven or eight. Uh, I don't know if you can do that. They may be in a position where you got to just you know coach the ones up that that are going to play and and get them up to speed and get them on the same page with Sam. And that hasn't happened yet, except for Deontay. And with Deontay, look at the difference. You know, I mean, he doesn't have physical gifts that create the space that you find him in. Uh, you know, they've got other receivers with his physical, you know, abilities, but they don't seem to have anybody can, you know, find the open space. And, uh, you know, do you have to end up just saying, we're going to throw the ball to Deontay again and again and again until somebody stops him? I don't know, but that's one of the decisions I think they, they're faced with this week. Yeah, some uh, interesting decisions with the coaching staff. So we're going to be out there at practice a little bit later today. Talking about that, some challenges for the USC coaching staff. And if you have any challenges in your business, like if you run a small business, you run a big business, like I do, I run a small business, trying to find and recruit and keep talent is a really difficult part of it. And that's the key to the importance and success of your business. And I've I've learned that that's how I get a Dan Weber. You know, it took me a long time to find a Dan Weber to bring him on. Uh, but now if I had to find another Dan Weber, I would go to ZipRecruiter. So this is what ZipRecruiter does. They can post your job to a hundred plus different job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, 80% of employees who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within one day. So you don't have to juggle emails or calls to your office. You can screen, rate, manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. So find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes, small ones like mine, bigger ones, whatever you got. Uh, you can find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, all Peristyle Podcast listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Yes, that's right. Free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash USC. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash USC. Uh, one more time. You can try for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash USC. Don't worry, Dan. I'm not trying to replace you or anything. It's just in case, you know, <laughs> you know, if you leave me, I got to have to go to ZipRecruiter and uh, find the next uh, great beat writer for USCfootball.com. Well, hopefully you're not. <laughs> But you're not going, right? Now that you're pausing, are you like no, trying to No, no, uh, yeah. <laughs> ZipRecruiter sounds good, though. Uh, I bet, you know, there are a lot of things you could look for on, on ZipRecruiter about this time. So, uh, yeah. Hey, you know, maybe you could be an AP voter, uh, since. Oh, my God. Since, well, we want to get into that. You know, I mean, I, I used to be an AP voter in basketball, which was horrible because they played every night of the week and you had, and who knew? Football isn't that difficult. You know, you know, I mean, you, you're only talking about a hundred, hundred teams or fifty teams or thirty teams that you really care about that matter, and they play every, once a week, and you ought to be able to get it right. And to, to overreact and drop somebody, however many places, or to be, you know, the person on the on the AP poll panel that knows USC best and ranks them the, you know, consistently the lowest, it's just embarrassing and silly and. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised AP puts up with that. Yeah. Well, let's jump back into the questions because we still got a bunch. Otis wrote in. I think he wrote in this morning, actually. Hey, Ryan, this question is for Dan. Can you compare this team's wide receivers and running backs to the 2004 team when they lost Mike Williams and had to adjust? Otis. Wow. 
Uh, Can't think back. I mean, I'd have to. Yeah. That's a. That's a, well. You know. I mean, how do you how do you compare him to Reggie and uh, and Landell? I'm sorry, I don't even you know as they were, you know, kind of getting their their start. Uh, it's just two different. You know, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, you've got two guys that are you know 207 and 210 pounds, uh, but with great speed and, 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 you know, elusiveness and all that, and still can run, run as power back, the guys that you can run on the goal line. So it's different. It's a different kind of a, you know, you had two really different sort of backs back then. This year, they're, they're similar in some ways. Uh, Size-wise, certainly, uh, they run differently. But uh, I would say Stephen Carr, I think he might be, I don't think that I've ever seen a USC freshman running back that I trust as much as Stephen Carr. I mean, to do everything. I mean, he's coachable. He's, you know, he's quick and tough and he adjusts on the fly and, uh, and then the ability to catch him. I mean, which is one of the reasons I wouldn't have any hesitation because of his ability to block and catch the ball to, to go out there in a two back attack. And, and because he, he really, if you have Rojo and Steven on the, on the field at the same time, that really gives the defense some, uh, some challenges. And, and if you have Rojo, re, I mean, uh, Steven replacing the third wide receiver, you know, I think in a, in a lot of ways, that's, that's not the worst thing. Uh, so as far as the wide receivers, boy, I'm trying to remember exactly, uh, I don't think this wide receiver group right now, other than Deontay, uh, compares with, with any of those, you know, wide receiver groups as you went through that, that whole time frame. You know, yeah, it was tough, tough dealing with, uh, without having Mike Williams. One of the things USC did in order to make up for some of that is they threw the ball to Reggie out of the backfield. That was that famous quote from, uh, uh, what was the name of the, the Washington State head coach who I, who I really liked. He was an assistant there for a long time, but he said, if you get Reggie one on one with your linebacker, he said, just tell the band to start playing fight on because he's not going to defend him. And so I thought, yes, he did a really good job of that. And maybe that's some of the way to go to, you know, up, up the receiving core, make them a little more versatile, a little more difficult to defend. Uh, all right. Sounds good. Let's see. Uh, okay. We got Brian and Beham. Okay. Now, yesterday I took a question from a Brian in Birmingham that was a little too long. So I had to kind of, uh, condense it a little bit. And I asked Brian not to, you know, write so much okay. if you want to do that. Now I got a message from Brian in Birmingham or Beham. He said, checking in with you, SC, SC fan and SEC country. He said, listen to the show today. A lot of good topics and good discussion with coach Harvey to hide. Only have two things to cover. Maybe you can discuss it with Dan on the podcast. First, there was some disappointment in the defensive front. However, Western Michigan is not a pushover. They did win 13 games last season. And play the Cotton Bowl. Secondly, I'm disappointed in the receivers with the exception of Burnett. If the upperclassmen are going to play like that, then Helton should play the freshman. Heck of a duo at running back we have. P.S. Heard you mention my name regarding the long question on email yesterday. That didn't come from me. Fight on. So we have a Brian in Beham and a Brian in Birmingham writing in. So that's, uh, wow. I don't mean to Maybe confuse it's, you guys. Uh, yeah. Birmingham, Michigan, I guess, uh, for the, uh, the other Birmingham. Uh, I guess there is one, is there one in, uh, in, in the UK also? Who knows? But, uh, yeah, those are two, those are two topics that, you know, you want to, you know, the wide receivers is going to be a topic until they, you know, stop it, 
you know, from being a topic. But uh, but I think you're right that they ran the ball uh, very respectably, to say the least, against the team. I mean, that team had eight starters back uh, on defense, uh, and you know they didn't get rolled by by Wisconsin, and they beat the other two Big Ten teams they played. So uh, you know that. I mean, you know, however you look at it, USC still for, scored 49 points in a really lackluster, for the most part, effort, and uh, 42 on offense anyway. And so, you know, and they scored 28 in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, I guess the uh, the, the worries about, uh, you know, the conditioning and, and all that, hopefully those go away. Uh, although I know some people would say, well, they stood around for three quarters, so they should have been fresh in the, you know, in the fourth <laughs> quarter. And, Fair. You know, <laughs> I mean, people are going to say a lot of things. You know, <laughs> it's, a, it's up to USC to, 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 to quiet them down. Now, if they line up and run the ball at Wisconsin, or Wisconsin I've got the Cardinal and White and the same kind of team on my mind. They, if they line up like that against Stanford and run the ball, down Stanford's throat, everybody will be really quiet this weekend other than to say, oh, yeah, we knew it all the time. I wouldn't mind challenging, you know, this team to do that very thing, to say, look, we're going to shut them up. We're going to stop the trend. We're going to be the physical team. We're going to be the team that says, this is how we play. This is who we are, and you can't stop us. That's what Stanford does. Doesn't always work, but that's who they are. That's what they do. When is USC going to be that team that says, we know who we are. We're not going to try to force stuff that we don't do so well just in the name of balance. We're going to do what we do really well, and we're going to see if you can stop it. That's my thought. I don't know. That's the way I would approach this week. And Stanford's the perfect team to challenge this team to do that very thing and on defense to be physical and fast and to not let them do what they want to do to instead of reading and reacting and standing around you force the issue you get there quicker than they can get there and you know does that take a little guts yeah you got to take a little gut does it take a belief in your kids and your talent yeah that's what they got to do stanford believes in what the heck they're doing i mean i i thought saturday didn't show a great deal of belief unless there was a whole lot of sandbagging going on that it's hard to imagine that that that's what it was. If that's what it was, well, good for them, although it wasn't fair to some of those guys like Fatu who just got, you know, looked like they were on roller skates at times because they were, you know, kind of outmanned up front. But but we'll see. Yeah, we certainly will. Uh, thanks for that one, Brian and Beham. Sorry to confuse you with Brian in Birmingham and uh, <laughs> vice versa. Sorry, Brian and Birmingham. So let it, write us in and let us know where you guys, you know, Birmingham, where that one is. Uh, Stephen Poway had a question similar to what uh, we got an international one from Neil in Manila. Um, I actually charted this, so I'll give you my thoughts on this too. Have you ever, or, or if, I'm sorry, have either of you had a chance to find out what was happening with the errant shotgun snaps from Nico Fala to Darnold? On Saturday, several high or way off the mark, uh, prompting very athletic moves by Darnold to keep them under control, one of which got away from him and was fumbled. Others just seemed to be coming into Darnold's hand, hands awkwardly, and I suspect that uh, was disrupting his throwing rhythm. 
Uh, at the time, I was wondering whether this was possibly due to Nico Fala having sweaty hands, almost like a wet ball situation due to the extreme heat and humidity at game time. Or maybe they've moved uh, Darnold closer to the offensive line, but the snapping angles seem strange. By the way, kudos to Beyonce Burnett and Rojo for coming to play on Saturday. Rojo was completely uh, has completely reshaped his body in the offseason, uh, turning him into a beast of a running back. While I didn't think I'd ever seen a player transform his body quite the way Rojo has, both of these players seem to have actually improved from last January. Also, Clay Hilton must now be questioning his decision not to practice live tackling for two weeks before the season opener. So that's Stephen Poway. And then same thing with uh, Neil and Manila. Uh, the high snaps from fall camp ex- uh, extending into Western Michigan. Is there any chance, um, you know, wh- what can be done there? And I counted, so I, I rewatched the game, Dan. I counted uh, seven of them that I would have called high where Darnold had to like leave his feet to get right. up. Now there was a bunch that were like at his face that I didn't like count those as high snaps, but if he had to like jump to get it, then I counted as high. And that was, there were seven of them that I counted. Well, and then there was that one that, that was, off to the side where he was looking one way and the ball went the other way and the, the, on the fumble. I don't know, you know, who to, who to count that one against, but yeah, uh, I mean, this is a guy that, you know, one of the big advantages with Nico is that, uh, we didn't see that last year. Uh, so I don't know what to think. Uh, we did, I mean, that was asked of Clay and it's, now we didn't see Nico after the game. And I don't know that anybody talked to him. I know people were asking, anybody talked to Nico? Didn't seem. Uh, when we asked Clay that uh, Sunday night, Clay didn't sound like he had talked to Nico either, and nor did he have an answer. Uh, it's obvious, you know, you can come up with, you know, the heat was an issue, didn't seem to affect the Western Michigan guy. Um, you can come up with the fact that are there some residual, uh, you know, something residual from, uh, you know, Nico's back issues? You know, is he, is he, uh, lining up slightly differently, for example, or positioning himself, uh, you know, slightly differently, and that's giving him a different angle on the snaps. Uh, we'll get a chance to talk to him today and see what we can, uh, what we can find out, but, uh, uh, your guess is as good as mine there. It just was out of the blue. I mean, it was just, uh, certainly didn't look like Sam was exactly ready for it either. So, uh, and these, you know, guys have been working together for, you know, a year and a half. Uh, so we'll, we'll try to find out, but I wish we, uh, I wish we had a clue. We don't have a good answer right now. We have one more from Steve. He said, does the NCAA deserve an assist in USC's victory over Western Michigan for making college football games 60 minutes rather than 45? In all seriousness, do you think Clay Helton stuck to his first game of the year against a lesser opponent game plan for the first 45 minutes and then realized he was playing with fire? decided to implement a winning game plan after that, or was it just a case of USC getting out-hustled, out-played, and out-schemed for three-quarters of a football game? Uh, is it time to readjust our expectations of the season yet? Wow, Steve, rough. Well, everybody, for, for anybody to readjust their expectations after one game tells me that they weren't paying attention. They must have slept through last year, because where did USC's team... I mean, basically, the whole month of September play, and where did they finish up? I do recall they finished number three in the nation, playing the, you know, the most exciting bowl game anybody's ever seen. So to act like something that you did in game one is going to impact where you are in January, I think is, is foolish. 
to say that stuff happened that really should be concerning is not foolish. Uh, you know, where this, you know, obviously USC turned it around last year. They figured it out. They coached it out. They game planned it out. They schemed it out. And they toughed it out. Uh, is it asking a lot to do that in a week? You know, it took them a few weeks last year. Uh, uh, I don't think so. Uh, from what we saw in practice, more often than not, they were that team that you could expect to be in the college football playoff. That they weren't that team Saturday doesn't necessarily reflect Bailey on the team. It reflects more on the way they asked them to play or not play uh, Saturday. Uh, you know, and, and you know, not having Cameron, Cameron Smith really hurts them. And for people to say, well, you know, stuff happened. Well, no, no, he's their leader. He's their best. He, he, now, as we saw uh, Saturday, he's their best player on defense. Uh, he's quicker than he's ever been. Uh, and and the, the ability to diagnose and, 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 you know, he just, I don't know that they can play without him. Okay, so start with that. On offense, I think they have to hit Daniel and Mata Baby. It doesn't look like they figured out how to how to bring the rest of the tight ends into the picture, and they need that one other threat uh, down the field. They absolutely have to have that. Uh, so, so they were they were you know they were limited a little bit. Uh, it shouldn't have mattered as much as as it as it seemed to, but. Um, uh, you you know the, your questions are all valid ones, and I think what's not valid is to come up with an absolute hard and fast answer that a lot of people seem to have uh, as a result of that game. I mean that's just that's silly, and and it's it's just overly simplistic to say, well I saw this game and that I know what that means the rest of the year. No, you don't. None of us do. I don't know if they do. But you don't, and uh, so, and I'm not saying that, you know, for Tarek uh, or Steve, excuse me, for Steve, uh, it's just in general, we don't know. I mean, we just can't know. We can just keep asking these questions and see what they do and see if what they do this week in practice uh, prepares them for what they're going to do Saturday. I mean, we, still, we don't know what they're going to do Saturday. I mean, we certainly didn't know what they did last Saturday or have an explanation for it. So uh, to expect. We know what they're going to do this Saturday. I don't know. I mean, then that's the bad part of this. I think we know what Stanford's going to do. Why don't we know what USC's going to do? That's the issue. And it's been an issue for too long. And they figured it out, you know, the second half of 2011 with, with Lane Kiffin. They certainly figured it out after September last year. But why do you have to figure it out all over again? Uh, I'm not sure. Dan, we got a late question, and uh, this is from Ryan, the uh, publisher of uscfootball.com for Dan Weber. Um, okay, so we talked a little in fall camp about the talk being that they wanted to make practices as difficult or more difficult than games. That's the way things were with the Pete Carroll era. Um, and the feeling I was kind of getting from watching this and seeing them not really playing up to their potential in the opening game, not reading too much into it, but it was more about, well, they got better as the season went on and they played games. And it was like the games were making them better, not necessarily the practices in between the games. Do you think there's something like that that could be happening where they have to get 
they get better during games, <laughs> not necessarily practicing for the games. Do you know what, do you know what I'm well, saying? No, I, I think what happened last year was the, the key they thought was the practice, that they figured out how to get focused, how to get serious, how to you know get rid of the music, emphasis on technique, no screwing around, just get it done. Believe in what we're doing and get it done. And then the games followed. I think they really believed it was practice. Okay, so then they, you get to this year, uh, and, and you get to one of those situations where uh, I know they they believed in it and went fast and physical for the first three weeks. And then I think it hits them. Okay, we're looking pretty good doing this. Okay, we got to bring the offense on. We got to you know get that offensive line squared away as to who's who's where. Uh, but we got some pretty good running backs, and, and we got Sam, and the wide receiver stuff, it'll probably take care of itself, and maybe Daniel will be back. We think he'll be back. Okay, so they're feeling pretty good about themselves. And on defense, they say, you know, why take any chances? We're where we need to be. These last two weeks, let's really focus on the offense. And just to be safe, we've had all summer to get ready for Western Michigan. And we know they've got coaches that are bringing in, you know, uh, the Syracuse stuff that was a slower pace and the offensive coordinators bringing in the Indiana high tempo stuff. And, you know, maybe they'll go with the stuff they did last year. Well, you know what? We've got all summer. We got three months. Why don't we get them ready for all three things that Western Michigan might do? And of course, if you try to get a team ready for three different offenses you're getting them ready for none uh as as chris hawkins said so eloquently you know we didn't have any idea these guys now we know where they won 13 games we didn't we knew they were good we didn't think they were this good and yeah maybe instead of getting us ready for all three of those offenses that we thought they might run maybe we would have been better off just getting them ready for those three running backs and the players they had back from last year and i think chris was exactly right and I think they got lost somewhere in the last two weeks, which isn't unlike what happened last year when I thought preseason practice was going really well the first two weeks, and then they spent the second two weeks getting ready for Alabama and doing things for Alabama that they hadn't really been doing. And we all saw how that turned out. And, you know, there's some of that. I do think that 12 games without a bye is in the back of their minds maybe more than it should be. Uh, but I think they got to forget that. you just got to practice as, as hard as you think you have to. You've got to tackle as much as you think you have to to be ready to win Saturday's game and forget the next 10 weeks. Just get ready for Saturday. The next 10 weeks will take care of themselves. And I think it's that simple. And... Uh, Sometimes when coaches have too much time on their hands and they're thinking too many big thoughts, the immediate uh, game kind of gets lost in the, in the shuffle, which is what happened Saturday, no question. We have an interesting one from Bearsecutor. He goes over six different points he wants you to agree or disagree on. So I'll do them one at a time. Okay. And we'll get your thoughts. So first point, we need Cam Smith on the field for four quarters. He's an All-American and will not look back this year. Absolutely. No question. Couldn't say it any more strongly. 
Okay, so that's an agree. All right, so that's an agree. Two, reports from the weight room that Port Augustine uh, version 3.0 will be released yesterday were vaporware. <laughs> so, uh, you know, see, I don't, I don't believe that. I, I think, I think what they tried to, I think Porter has to be in motion. Porter has to be flying around. I don't want Porter standing around. I mean, there were plays, uh, there were uh, at least three or four plays where the, all the defensive guys from USC are, are standing looking at each other when uh, uh, the ball's being snapped because they were still trying to say, what are we supposed to be doing? Uh, when they talk about misalignments and things like that, uh, that, that was, uh, that was unfair, for example. I don't think your outside linebackers should be half in the A gap. I mean, you can't. I mean, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. So, uh, no, I'm not ready to make that judgment at all because having watched Porter all summer, I mean, that was the one thing I wanted to do in the PRP would watch his flexibility and watch his ability to, you know, Go this way and that way, a quick reaction and, uh, and make plays, you know, in, 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 a, you know, in a phone booth instead of just barely missing. And I didn't see any of that. So I, I think some of the judgments about the defensive guys, uh, are incorrect. We'll find out, you know, if that's the case. But, uh, but I, I would not agree with that. No. All right. So disagree on two. Three, Clancy desperately needs to identify a second cornerback and it isn't going to happen in the next seven days. I agree with the first part of that. There's no question about the first part of that. The second part, uh, we'll see. Uh, I think there's, I mean, I think there's a chance. Why Jamel Cook has gone from, you know, the kid, you know, the six four kid who can run and stop and and all of that to, uh, you know, a special teams kind of afterthought. I I don't know. Uh, he's been getting, you know, ready. Uh, you know, at corner, and it isn't like they would be taking some big chance if they got him in there. Uh, I thought there was a little bit of, uh, of failure to believe in your players enough, uh, and it's not the first time on defense that we've seen that. Uh, but I will agree, gotta find that cornerback, uh, don't know that they don't have that possibility and that they can get him on the field, uh, you know, for Saturday. We'll see. And then, uh, uh, number four, Marlon Tuipolotu needs to start. Not so much because he's better than Josh Fatu, but he's at least as good right now. Much higher ceiling, and he needs to play loads of snaps so we realize that potential ASAP. Rasheem Green is not the big cat. He needs help. Absolutely. No question about it. And not just one guy. You know, you're going against Western Michigan, going against Stanford. You need two guys. And maybe you're going to need that against Notre Dame. Because it certainly looks like what they have three hundred yard rushers and one of them is that quarterback who looks like he's gonna be a run first uh run first guy and they've got those two really highly regarded offensive linemen. So I think, you know, the the toughest as as important as it is to be ready when you get to the police on that on Friday night against that pass attack, uh, uh I think yeah, you gotta get uh you gotta get regime help. And Marlon, I think, clearly has the athleticism and the, uh, you know, the higher, the uh, higher ceiling, uh, that he just, he needs to be out there for a, a lot more snaps. And then five, he said, our defense clearly is not going to be dominant despite rumors to the contrary. Offense will need to produce. We had a nice run game, but we need, uh, 
both Imus in this game. I don't know what he means there. Both probably running past in this game. And we need to see if uh, Jody Lewis and Randall Grimes can play. We need, we simply need more athleticism, speed, physicality, height, weight, uh, whatever to have a great season. No, I don't, I don't necessarily agree. I, I mean, I think, uh, uh, if they stay in that exact defensive game plan, yeah, then, then they got to score a whole lot of points because these guys can't play standing around and reading and reacting. It's just not who they are. It's not who they are athletically. It's not who they are, you know, experience wise. Uh, and we ought to know that by now that this is not the kind of team that you want to, you know, this is not a, one of those cerebral, you know, really experienced teams that has seen it all, done it all. I think they can play one way, and they better come and 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 take your game away from you and force you to do things you don't want to do. But if they come out and line up and allow a team like Western Michigan to do exactly what it wanted to do, they didn't make it throw the ball. They didn't, you know, say we're gonna, you know, take everything in the run game away and we're gonna make your quarterback who hasn't ever thrown a college pass and your wide receivers who have hardly ever caught any. We're going to make those guys beat us. We'll go man to man with them, and we're going to, you know, we're going to play, uh, you know, seven in the in the box, and, and we're going to we're going to stymie you. They didn't seem to be willing to do that. If they're not willing to do that, they better get a lot of offense ready to go. But I'm not willing to say that based on the first game, we absolutely know where this defense could go. I mean, the one advantage, and it turned out to be a disadvantage this weekend, is we, you know, I saw them 35 times since June, and that wasn't the team on defense that we saw since June. And, uh, you know, they've got a chance to not be that team going forward, but uh, they got to play more guys, they got to have more guys ready to play, and they got to let them play. they got to be fast and physical and uh, enforcing and not standing around and, and wondering what the heck do I do here. And, uh, you know, I mean, that just – that was not the team we saw. That was not the team they coached. And uh, so the verdict isn't in. You have one or two more efforts like that on defense, and, and the verdict, you know, might be uh, what you say. But, but I, I wouldn't agree with it completely. And then the last one, Clancy was keeping things under wraps yesterday. You mean Saturday, uh, especially regarding the blitz to keep Shaw guessing. And he put in parentheses, I hope. Uh, that's from Bear Secure. Absolutely. All you can do is hope, hope so. I mean, you know, they, they dropped a couple of blitzes on them just the way you would want, want to see them when they felt like maybe, holy crap, we got to do it now. We can't just keep hiding it. Uh, I mean, I mean, they basically said, we're not even going to let you see us line up in the kind of defense that we might play against you. We're, we're going to take, well, okay. That puts it all on this weekend, then. If that's if that was the thinking, and you know, I probably would not have gone there because I'm more of let's just do what we do and do it really well and get to be as good at it as we possibly can and say, see, see if you can do something against this. You know what we're going to do. You're not good enough to beat us doing that. That's that's more my tendency. You know, than to try to say we're going to sneak up on you and we're going to hit you with stuff you don't know is coming and all that. For example, you can say that, but if you haven't done it, you know, are you ready to do it against Stanford? 
You know, I mean, I know there are people who say, just like in personnel, well, get some more freshmen in. You're not going to get them in this week. They didn't get in against Western Michigan, you know. So I would have liked to Western Michigan to have been the place where you tried everything out just to be doing it. And give Stanford more things to prepare for. I mean, you know, that, that, that would be my, my, you know, that's the way I would lean in terms of preparing for it. It certainly looks like USC chose not to go that route. So all he can hope is that, yes, they're sandbagging them. Yes, they don't want them to see. Or they just decided we're going to go vanilla and we're going to be good enough if we go completely vanilla that we're going to be fine. Why they decided to go vanilla in the, uh, in the nickel, I mean, that's almost insane. You can't play the nickel against a team that can't throw it and won't throw it. I mean, that just makes no sense at all. I mean, you never see that. I mean, who does that? Um, so, yes, kind of crazy. I agree with you. Yeah, you better hope that that's what was going on. We got a voicemail question for you, Dan. Here you go. J.D. from D.C. with this week's question for Dan Weber. Dan, I just don't see how you don't take Stanford and the points this weekend, even though I'll be cheering for USC. Uh, we are unequivocally facing a bigger, more physical, more disciplined, smarter, more balanced, and more confident and better coached opponent this week. That's unequivocal. Stanford is going to be much better than WMU was. Obviously, it's going to be great to get Cam Smith in there for four quarters. Marlon T will probably start. Nico's going to clean up his snaps. Sam's going to not throw two interceptions and no touchdowns because he's going to go right to Burnett from the outset. Uh, there's going to be linebacker help reporter, but that's not going to be enough. How can we rely upon, in one week, coming up with a clean game, great tackling, draws and screens in the playbooks, Solid cornerback playing both sides of the field and identify a second and third wide receiver. I sure wish we were playing Stanford at the end of the year and not now. We are not ready to win next week. Well, you say that, you can't know it. Uh, it's just, it's that simple. I mean, you can't possibly know that from, from watching that game. Uh, I think you underrate, uh, Western Michigan. I think they're, I think Western Michigan would, would stay on the field with Stanford. I don't think there's any question about it. I think for people to say they know what this Stanford team is after watching them play Rice, that, 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 that's silly. I mean, we can't possibly know. I wish we had a better gauge of where, you know, Stanford is. And we know, you know, and they're, you know, historically, you know, who they are and what they do and all that. But, uh, but I don't know that we know how, you know, how good a quarterback, you know, Chris is. Uh, I think there's an awful lot to like about love, you know, as a running back. And yet, you know, we'll see. Uh, but to make all of those, uh, you know, judgments, what would you have said after the Stanford game last year about USC's prospects for the rest of the year? What, what were the conclusions you would have made after that game? Uh, whatever conclusions you would have made, similar to the ones you just made now, would have looked really silly in Pasadena, uh, you know, after the Rose Bowl. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, would, would anybody in the world have said uh, that USC team that, that basically, you know, that was a lay-down game against Stanford last year, 
would finish third in the nation and and Stanford nowhere to be seen, you know? No. But stuff happens. Teams get better. Teams figure it out. Teams don't stand around and do things that they haven't done in practice for whatever reason. We have no idea. But I think to over, you know, overgeneralize some, you know, the specifics of that game or, or do it the other way around, I guess, uh, is just not the way to go. I mean, I wish I do, wish I could, you know, make you feel better, wish I could comfort you <laughs> where this is all going, but we can't. This is why you play the games. This is what's cool about, you know, tuning in and showing up Saturday and we'll find out. Uh, you know, we, you know, you try to figure it out. But, um, you know, coaches do what coaches do sometimes. And, uh, and players react in, in ways that, that maybe you didn't, you didn't see coming. I will, I will say this. Any team that can score 28 points in the fourth quarter against a team as good as Western Michigan probably shouldn't be counted out just like you just did. One, two, three, you know, technical knockout or whatever. They're just, they're not. You know, no possible way they can, they can get themselves into this, into this game. And the, and we, the more I read our board, holy, I mean, it's like, did Vince Lombardi come back with the Green Bay Packers? Uh, and they're in Palo Alto? And we didn't know about, I mean, we make them Stanford out to be this, this behemoth that just is overpowering. And they're just gonna come in here and line up and knock it. Now, that may happen. I'm not saying it won't. It certainly has. It shouldn't, but but we'll see. But to just say that it's absolutely going to, uh, I think is, is overstating the case by a whole lot. Uh, that Hopefully that answers Jason and Longhorn Country's uh, question, too. He said, it seems possible that Stanford will humiliate us next week. Please convince me I'm wrong. So hopefully Dan did a good job of that. <laughs> And then, oh my God. And, then, and then we have one last one. See, here's the thing. If there's a humiliation involved next week, I don't think it'll be Stanford. I think it'll be USC humiliate, you know, USC maybe has the ability to humiliate itself if they, uh, continue some of the things they did Saturday. I mean, humiliate is probably too, way too strong a word, but USC probably has the ability to make itself not look so good if they choose to be stubborn. And choose to, for whatever reason that is still unexplained to us, uh, make the kinds of decisions they made for Saturday. But to, to act like, you know, Steve, I mean, they're not playing Alabama, you know? I mean, good Lord. I mean, you didn't <laughs> see this reaction of, you know, where Ohio State was kind of on the ropes at Indiana Thursday. Yeah, they're, they're losing. Uh, stuff yeah. happens. And people just say, well, that's Ohio State. You know how they are. Da 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 da. And with USC, it's like, you know, let's all jump off the bridge together, you know, and we have no chance. It's over. Ah, come on. Grow up. Come on, you guys. <laughs> Fuck up. Come on. You're better than that. Uh, all right. So, Jason, hopefully that was a good pep talk for you. One last one from Mark, and we'll let you go, Dan. I know we got to get to practice. Uh, what happened to the United Airlines naming rights to the Coliseum? We have not heard about it in a while. Good question for Tim. Well, he said Tom Tessalone, but it's Tim Tessalone. After you congratulate him for making the uh, Hall of Fame, Mark. I, I will say this. The problem with those kinds of questions is they seem to be at a higher level than anyone in the athletic department. When you, you ask those kinds of questions, you get these looks like, hey, 
that's happening at so much higher level than me. Don't even, you know, there's no reason to even bring that up. We have no idea what's going on there. And I would say that's true. When you're talking 70, whatever it was, $70 million, uh, and the uh, president of United Airlines, a USC graduate and all that, I'm guessing there may be only a couple of people involved in those negotiations, and they're not talking to us. Uh, but uh, it's an interesting question, and it's one that if I were USC and I were planning a renovation that was going to take out 25% of the best seats in the building and forcefully move all of those people to other seats and then forcefully move all those other people to other seats, to less desirable other seats, and have all those people squawking about it for two years, I'd be really careful in negotiating with United Airlines right about now. Uh, because if I'm United Airlines, man, I, you know, you gotta, you gotta think about, you want this to be something really positive for United Airlines. And, uh, if I were USC, I'd be trying to really assure United Airlines that nothing that's going to happen in the next two years is going to cause them any grief. I mean, they got, they got grief for one passenger being dislocated from his seat. We're talking about 9,000 dislocations. Well, more than um, that, everybody. <laughs> and then the next group and the next wave and the next wave. Yeah. And they're doing it in a stadium that has, because of its layout as a big track, you know, extravaganza place, has only 38,000 sideline seats. And you take 9,000 out of the inventory. And um, that's not, that's a difficult proposition to end up with. So it wouldn't surprise me that things are being kept very quiet about how how that's going. And I still think they have to work out. I don't think they're going to name the, they're not going to rename the Coliseum. You know, how do you work this out where United gets fair value for their $70 million and yet it doesn't become the United Airlines Coliseum? I don't think it can be. I think that's just, that isn't, I don't think you can take LA Memorial out of it. You can name the field after him. You can name other stuff after him, but, uh, uh, I think there's some, you know, really interesting and nuanced calculations that have to take place over the whole United Airlines, uh, Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. All right, Dan. United Airlines, yeah, the United Airlines field at LA Memorial Coliseum. I don't know. Yeah, I like that. We'll see. We'll see what happens, right. but we haven't really heard much about that. So, uh. Well, I know that, like, uh, for example, uh, University of Kentucky, renamed uh they it was always commonwealth stadium the commonwealth of kentucky and kroger's came up with a ton of money not anywhere near as much as united airlines but a lot of money for kentucky and it's now kroger field so they're calling it kroger field it's still commonwealth stadium but in general now they're only using it looks like kroger field i don't see that necessarily happening you know with the los angeles memorial coliseum has such a a sense of you know, historic sense. Let's face it, the only place in the world that had, uh, you know, two Olympic games. So I don't know that you can kind of erase that from anybody's consciousness. So I would think there's going to have to be some real finessing of how that, how that all works, that, that the renaming or naming 
uh, what gets named and how it's used and all of that. All right. Well, Dan, great stuff. Well, a little over an hour, hour and eight minutes or so. Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of questions. Thanks for sending them all in. Remember, try to keep them concise if you can. And, uh, thanks to Trader Joe's. Thanks to, uh, ZipRecruiter. Um, good stuff. Uh, we appreciate both of them being sponsors of the podcast. And, uh, yeah, Dan, thanks, uh, again for coming on. Yeah. And, uh, and thanks for the questions. And let's hope we don't hear any of those same questions next week. That yes. would be my, my fervent yeah. hope is yeah. that, that we don't have to answer them, that USC answers them because they're the only ones that can answer them. And, uh, uh, we'll see. Um, yeah, the, uh, it's funny. Um, USC's favorite in the game, Dan. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, okay, everybody's, you know, they dropped from fourth to fifth and sixth in the two polls. And Stanford's still 14th. I mean, you know, are people not seeing things? I mean, I know somebody dropped USC to 14th, but, uh, you know, the rest of the country didn't, didn't feel obligated to do that yet. Now, USC maybe could drop itself to, the 14th uh, this weekend, but they've also got an opportunity to, to go the other way. And uh, wouldn't that be a nice thing? Yeah. All right. Well, Dan Weber, we'll see you out in the practice field. Thanks for everything and everyone else. Thank you so much for tuning into the Peristyle podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.